Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to the clock on this Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo! That's a foul right there on Burnsy, Mitch. I'm going to call a foul on Burnsy. That's a foul. Yeah. Yeah. That's a foul. You know what I... You, you, you didn't what? do anything wrong. Uh-huh. You didn't do anything wrong, but that's a foul. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know what I have to say about mm. that? Here's what I have to say about that right here. Right, right this. I don't care how you slice it. It's happening to us too much. Other teams are reaching. Other teams are hitting. And we're not getting the same call. And I'm tired of it. Tired of it, Gambo. I'm tired of you... Constantly blowing the whistle on me. These ticky-tack yeah. fouls you're always calling on me every single show. You did this wrong. You did that wrong. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. It's a conspiracy, yeah. Gambo. It's you and management and everybody. You're all... Against you. Everybody's against everyone's you. Everyone's against me. It's everyone. not you. You're not doing anything wrong. It's everybody's against you. <laughs> you know, for a second there when you called a foul on me... Yeah, for a second there when you called a foul on me, I thought, oh, God, did I say the wrong day? When I yelled straight up two o'clock, I swear. Oh, no, no, For no. just a second, I'm like, no. today is Thursday, right? I said Thursday, Thursday. right? Okay, I just want to make sure you weren't well, actually. As we know, most fouls get called and no actual foul occurs. <laughs> well, mm. yeah. I think Anthony Davis is going to the line again right now. The refs just called him back out. You think so? Yeah, Austin Reeves. Yeah, go ahead. Have another. Take another. Well, you're, it's, not like you're, it's not like you're an NBA superstar or anything getting all these fouls. Calls out there, oh, Gambo! I, I don't. I will hit the little uh, top of the hour, top story of the day jingle thing here in just a minute. But I'll tell you right now, I don't know what I'm more frustrated about: talking about another son's loss or talking about another son's loss that's centered around officiating. I, it's like it's a tie right now; it's a dead heat between those two. What am I more frustrated about? I don't know because I cannot believe we are here again. Play the little jingle thingy there, Mitch. Burns and Gambo, the way in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Anthony Davis will do the honors as he gets it from Reeves, and that'll do it. 122-111, the final score tonight in L.A. The Lakers get their first win against the Suns in a couple of years. It's crazy to think the Lakers, the Lakers have not beaten the Suns. Remember that picture of LeBron James leaning into Jay Crowder? And, and who was it on the, was it Andre Drummond who was standing on the sidelines during that playoff series? In the playoffs. Who was, who was mimicking LeBron James doing it? That's the last time the Lakers beat the Suns until last night. That's nuts. Yeah. That's nuts. But 111, 122-111. Go ahead. You can say whatever you want about the officiating, and the officiating in the NBA is terrible. Matter of fact, the the referee that was uh, that that was at the uh, the the ear of Fred Van Vliet, he got reassigned. Yeah. So they demoted him in his assignments. The guy's name was Ben Taylor, and remember, Fred Van Vliet kind of went off and got you know then had to write a check for like thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. But in the last five games, this guy's only been the crew chief. Once, so they basically demoted him a little bit. So um, you know, I mean, we we understand that the officiating in this league is garbage. It's terrible. It's not very good. It's just, it's just the truth. I mean, I'm watching the game last night, 
And there's a there's a play second quarter where Devin Booker gets stripped by D'Lo and you in fast motion. I mean, I can't tell. I mean, that's I don't have a trained eye for that. I couldn't see it, but then they show the replay and, and D'Lo got nothing of the ball. All he did was get like Book's face and arms, and they uh, they they just awarded the ball to the Lakers. And then Vanderbilt scored up and under, put him up by put the Lakers up by seven, part of a twelve nothing run. But I mean, just a no call. I mean, but you know, again, I'm not trained to see that in fast motion, but those guys, they're trained. They're trained to keep an eye on that and see that. I mean, the guy didn't get any part of the basketball. All he did was got Devin Booker's arm and part of his face, and there was no call on it. It's, it's, so I can understand the, just how, how upsetting it can be for these coaches and players when calls don't go their way. That's not an excuse for losing. I mean, the Suns aren't playing very good. I'm not going to use it as an excuse for why they lost the basketball game, but there's definitely issues with the officiating around the league, not just with the Phoenix Suns. That's the trick, and that's the trick I felt watching that game last night. It's just how much responsibility do I want to assign what happened last night to the referees, right? And I think I think you're asking yourself that same question. I think a lot of Suns fans right now are asking themselves that same question, and, and I think that probably runs the gamut. I, I would imagine a lot of people listening to us right now have decided they want to assign everything of what happened last night to the officiating, or they want to assign nothing of what happened to last night to the officiating. The reality is it's somewhere in, in between. W- were there some bad calls? Yes. Was it an absolute travesty that the Suns had to waste their challenge halfway through the third quarter, alleging an offensive foul on Devin Booker when he, in fact, got hit in the face? Yeah, that was a joke. That was a joke. Yeah, but, and why don't you get your call back when you get it right? And, and you, you should, and that's something they should absolutely... I got it right. I should get that challenge back. You shouldn't have to make me waste a challenge when you guys make a bad call. But at the same time, there's just a certain level of facts here that we can't ignore. And the facts are the Suns do foul an awful lot, that the Suns have repeatedly, since the All-Star break in particular, sent the opposition to the line at an alarming rate. I mean, it's every single game. It's not just a game here or a game there. They lead the league by a wide margin in that. And then on the other end, when the Suns have the ball, we can't ignore the fact that they are mostly a mid-range jump shooting team, that they are last in the league at taking balls to the rim when they're on offense, that they're the they, Devin Booker, the one that, that Monty Williams was talking about last night, Devin Booker went to the free throw line 12 times last night. He got his fair share of calls in going to the line or in going to the rim, I should say, but they don't have enough guys on this roster who would do exactly the same thing. And so how much blame do I want to assign to it? How much respect? What I don't like about it, and I, I said this last week, and I really mean this, I don't like the, you know, Monty throwing logs on the fire and Devin throwing logs on the fire. I just don't think that does any good. I, I don't think that accomplishes anything to consistently night in and night out rail on it every single day. I think you're doing yourself more harm than good as an organization when you're constantly taking that point of view. Yeah, I think you're trying to just bury an excuse for why you're not playing very well either. I mean, look, here's the reality. I mean, they had to make a substitution about three and a half minutes into the game when Bismack Biombo picked up a second foul. So two quick fouls on Biombo. Nobody's arguing they weren't fouls. They were fouls. So they, they their problem is that they foul too much on the defensive side and they're getting called for it. So that's one of their issues. They had to take Biz out and put Jacques Landale in. So, um, and you know, you just deal with foul trouble. I think Chris Paul picked up a pick up picked up his fourth, and they just don't seem to be playing smart basketball on a defensive side. Now, at times you got a lot of guys out there that are not good defensive players. You know, they play TJ Warren. You got Ross. Paul's definitely a step slower. That makes a factor. Um, 
we can talk all we want about how much they miss Mikael Bridges, but he ain't coming back. So you got to figure this thing out because the Suns are putting these teams on the line far too often. Yeah, and you know, Monty, you know, we we will play the full unedited version of it later. I played a snippet of it there a second ago. Um, took one question at the podium and then walked off first time. Only the second time in his son's career that he's done it. Here's another little snippet from Monty last night. I'm getting explanations about we're taking too many jump shots, mid-range jump shots. Like, we're playing a physical game. They had 27 free throws in the first half. They end up with 46. When do you see a game with 46 free throws for one team? That's not right. And see, that, that to me... I want to know what the root of the complaint is. Is it that you, the Phoenix Suns, are not getting enough calls, or that you, the Phoenix Suns, are getting called too often? Like what? What? I, and I don't know exactly what the root of the complaint is for the Phoenix Suns. Is it? Is it we don't get it? We don't get the same calls other teams do. Because if that's the root of the complaint, then it seems to me you're kind of complaining about how your basketball team is wired. You're a jump shooting mid range basketball team. I mean that's just kind of who you are. You don't have a lot of guys who take it to the rim. Are you complaining that too many fouls are being called on you? Well, I think to what you just said a second ago, you traded Mikel Bridges, and ever since then your defensive. Identity since trading Mikel has been weakened at best, undefined. It, you know, it's, it's just I, I don't know. I don't defensively. I don't know what they're trying to accomplish every single night. It doesn't look like they do either, and so I think that's hurting them on the defensive end. I'm trying to figure out what the exact root of the complaint is, other than the very basic: they shot 46 of them, we only shot 20. Or are you complaining about the 46? Or are you complaining about the 20? That's kind of what I want to know. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I think both. I mean, I think you're complaining about both. But look, I mean, on average, you know, you very normally see see a team go to the free throw line 20 to 25 times a game. I mean, that's pretty normal in the NBA. I mean, last night, Toronto went to the line 39 times. They lost, but they went to the free throw line 39 times. But if you go through and you look at a typical NBA game, you'll see a team take 20 to 25 free throws on a regular basis. That's pretty normal. You know, last night, the, the Lakers took... You know, a, a lot more, and I think that I mean, the Jazz thirty six last night. The Toronto took thirty nine. The Lakers had the most. I mean, we we all get that. The Lakers, you know, went to the free throw line the most, going forty six. That was more than any other team. But you know, a lot of that was you know, Anthony Davis went ten times, and, and Reeves went thirteen times. Reeves is driving to the basket and and getting, and he was getting fouled. I think Monty's complaining that you know we. I, I think his our main our main argument is that we the Suns don't get enough of those calls. I think that's his main argument, right? We don't get enough of those calls. We're playing physical. Everybody says we're jump shooting. We're driving to the basket. So I think he's saying that they're not getting enough of the calls. Yeah. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, is DeAndre Hopkins, in fact, a Buffalo soldier? Not yet, but we'll give you the latest next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Got any plans on adding this to your Spotify, Gambo? This reminds me of uh, being in the Bahamas a few years ago and... It was like our last day, and we're driving around. The restaurants were closed, and there's, there's all these. Uh, the, the, we're on a small island called Staniel Key, and uh, there's you know, all these people just hanging out that just that live there. There's only like a hundred people that live on this island, uh-huh. and we're driving around in a golf cart. And they're like, "You guys want to stop and hang out and eat with us?" And we're like, "Damn right we do. Let's do it." <laughs> and this was the type of music that was playing, like reggae.
reggae music was playing, and uh, we were just sitting there, and where you know they just invited us in, and so me and Chelsea and the kids, we just you know we just ate with everybody because like it was our last day, and the restaurants were closed. Were closed I don't know Sunday or something. So and then this was the reggae reggae music was playing. Yeah, Buffalo Soldier. This is the, I, I might I don't have Spotify. Yeah. I might have to add this to my Apple Music. I forgot how much I like the song. There it is. <laughs> So this is Pac-Man Jones, and I was not aware of this. Darren Urban tweeted this out earlier today. Apparently, Pac-Man Jones helped facilitate DeAndre Hopkins' recent appearance on Pat McAfee's show. I was not aware of that, but Darren tweeted that out today. So while Pac-Man was on Pat McAfee's show today, again, as the one who facilitated D-Hop's recent appearance, I would imagine his sources on this one are pretty good. Here's what Pac-Man Jones had to say about the future of D-Hop. What we're hearing from Pac-Man source says, feels like Buffalo Bills fans have a reason to be excited. Mm -hmm. Falcons fans, I guess, in. Ravens fans, in. Raiders fans should know they're in. in. Anybody else? Patriots fan. Oh, what? Okay, so five teams were listed. The Bills, the Patriots, the Raiders, the Falcons, and the Ravens. Uh, later, Pac-Man talked specifically about Buffalo. I think it could work. Why, why couldn't it work? Um, I think you can go to Buffalo, one-year deal. Um, I don't really think it's about the money with him right now. Okay. Um, okay. I think he want to get out. And it's, it's a big thing. He want to win. Definitely want to win and get a shot. So my sources tell me Buffalo can work. My, my sources tell me Buffalo might work. I've got to assume his sources, either DeAndre Hopkins or really darn close to DeAndre Hopkins, one of the two. The two, yeah. that, the two that he identified, Gambo, and then the Bills and the Ravens, those are the two teams specifically that he said, I'm leaning more towards the Bills or the Ravens. Go ahead. All right. Well, well, this all starts with the cryptic messages, right? That yes. that are via the Instagram. There's a lot of the the cryptic message of uh, DeAndre Hopkins and the reggae song that you just played. But there was also more that happened yesterday. Not only did he post on his Instagram story a picture of himself with Bob Marley's Buffalo Soldier playing, right? Okay, mm-hmm. you can pretty much connect any dots right there. But he also started to follow Josh Allen on Instagram yesterday. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. Yeah. He Mitch, followed Josh Allen on Instagram. Mitch just made the ooh face. Like, I don't think he yes. knew that either. Ooh. Yes. Who do you think nope, he'd rather yep, follow so. right now, Josh Allen or Mac Jones? I'm pretty sure Josh Allen would be a better follow on Instagram right now if you're DeAndre Hopkins. No, oh, it's not like we that. read into, like, we, we you know, we got we got to read into these cryptic messages on Instagram and whether they mean anything or not. I don't know. You know, but, you know, he, he started following him yesterday. He did not follow him previously to that. The Bills have made no mistake that they'd like to upgrade the talent around Josh Allen. Um, but there's no question that, you know, with Hopkins missing 17 games the past two years, injury and suspension and that 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 cap number, um, two years left on his contract, base salaries of 19 and a half and f- almost 15, that would be the cap hit you in- inherit. But there was an interesting, uh, the editor of the sports business website, Spotrack? Spotrack. You guys know what that is. Spotrack. Yeah, yeah it's, the, it's the one where they keep track of the yeah, salary yeah. cap and the, the salaries and all that stuff. Yeah, Spotrack. So last night, this guy, Michael Gennetti, lays out this 
this scenario. And he says the team that the team that acquires Hopkins can reduce his base salary to the veterans minimum this year, convert the rest of the deal into a signing bonus, and add three voidable years on to the end of the contract. That would bring his cap hit to four point eight million dollars for this year. So, like you know, we talk about manipulating a cap; anybody could do it. So he's basically saying. So, you know, reduce his salary to the minimum, make everything into a signing bonus that he's owed. So it's just a signing bonus. He's guaranteed that money now mm-hmm. and add three voidable years. And now you've got a cap hit for DeAndre Hopkins of $4.8 million. Very manageable. So that's probably a lot of the stuff that's happening behind the scenes. People are trying to figure out, okay, how do I get DeAndre Hopkins to fit into my salary structure? And you've got to do something crazy like what he's mentioning, the voidable years and the converting stuff into signing. It can be done. It's just a matter of you know you do have to kick that can down the road a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's about can kicking and your desire to can kick and I would think for the Buffalo Bills and we talked about this a lot with Dallas a week ago that I would think the Buffalo Bills would be very desperate to kick the can to get a guy like DeAndre Hopkins because the Bills need to win a Super Bowl their window is now their window is here they have failed to capitalize in the last couple of years and maybe desperation is the strong word but I would imagine in Buffalo there is okay come on let's go got we got a great quarterback we got a great football team got a great coach we win a lot of regular season games. Now is the time for us to win, and that leads them to do things like this. We talked about this with Dallas and Jerry Jones, how old he's getting and how desperate he must be getting to win a Super Bowl. I think for different reasons, but similar circumstances, Buffalo's in that same spot. Now, I'll tell you this. If you're a Cardinals fan, you're going, okay, what's in it for me? Buffalo, and we mentioned this yesterday, I'll mention it again. They have, in the first round, they have the 27th pick overall. You're probably not getting that. In the second round, they've got the 59th overall pick. In the third round, they've got the 91st overall pick. Can you get number 59 from Buffalo? Can, can you get them to give up that much to get them? Because I would imagine that would probably just about do this if you're the Cardinals and you want to move them. I mean, I think Buffalo will try to do it for a third, and I think you'll try to do it for a second, and then you know maybe you have to eat some of the money to get the second. I don't know. I mean, it's been pretty quiet. We've seen a lot of wide receivers. We've seen wide receivers get traded, right? We've had trades. We've seen signings. We've seen a lot of different players move, um, especially recently, right? Juju Smith-Schuster and DJ Moore, and um, there's been uh, Brandon Cooks. There's been a lot of wide receiver move. Adam Thielen. So, like, I think, you know, usually you wait for the big fish to, to fry, right? Which is Hopkins, right? You, wait, you, you, you get the big fish out of the water, and then everything else falls in place. But now you're seeing all these other moves, and then Hopkins is going to be one of the last, which is really goes against conventional wisdom on how this stuff usually works. Hopkins is so far and above better than all these other players that you would think that he, you know, that everybody else would be waiting on 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 who gets him. But instead, all these, a lot of these other teams went and made moves, and now you're just left with a handful of teams that can still get Hopkins. Right? We kind of think it's Kansas City and New England and maybe Carolina, but I don't know of any other teams that are in there. Well, and if we, you know, if we talk about a fit for DeAndre Hopkins and how, what was it, Garofolo's report yesterday, Mike Garofolo from the NFL Network saying that it was going to be the fit over the money for DeAndre Hopkins. Then you look at these five teams that Pac-Man Jones rolled out on Pat McAfee's show. And if you're going to talk about fit, I, I mean, it, I'm looking at, okay, so the Bills, you're going to win there. The Patriots, you could win there. 
there. The Raiders, eh, you might be able to win there. It's going to be a little tough. The Falcons, you're not winning there. The Ravens, you might win there. It depends on Lamar Jackson. So of those five teams that Pac-Man Jones mentioned, I I would say the two that he specifically highlighted, he said, I'm leaning towards the Bills or the Ravens. Those are the two teams on that list of five that very clearly are a good fit football-wise. You're going to go there. You're going to win a lot of football games, assuming the Ravens keep Lamar Jackson. Can can Hopkins accept the role as a number 2 wide receiver? Because you would have to do that in Buffalo. You wouldn't have to do that anywhere else. In Buffalo, there's a wide receiver that's going to be the number 1 receiver ahead of you. If it's all about his word of going with fit, then yes, you are compelled to. You have to. You, you, you go there and you say, hey man, I don't need to be the number one guy. This is Stephon Diggs. I'm just here. I'm here because I want to win a ring. I'm here because I want to help the city win a ring. It's it's so easy to manipulate that press conference and manipulate the message if you're DeAndre Hopkins. You could say, man, I, I'm not worried about being a number one, being a number two. I want to win Buffalo, the first ever Super Bowl championship. And, and you say that and you do that, you'll be a hero in Buffalo, whether you're the one or the two. I think he could. Do you? Think he could accept that? Yeah, I mean, I th- I, I think so too. Um, but he's always been used to being the, the main guy, the number one guy. And now you'd be talking about you're going to go play with Diggs, and you know that's up to Allen now to make sure that everybody has you know gets the ball. That would be up to Josh Allen. They throw the ball a lot. Um, you know, even for a cold weather team, they still throw the ball a lot. But yeah, I mean, that would be an incredible one-two punch. But you wouldn't go there as the as the number one guy. You'd go there as the number two, and that's why it really makes sense. It makes sense for a team like Buffalo. To, I mean, what do you lose if you're Buffalo? Honestly, what do you lose? Two, you got two years of DeAndre Hopkins for a third. Eck. Like, there's no risk involved for Buffalo, unless there's something else you wanted to do with that money, but there's no risk. Just the financial limitations you'll have in future years, you know, depending on how much can you do have to kick down the road, that's really the only thing you lose. Yeah, we're still, no matter what, we're still only talking about $35 million, and he's going to get a lot of it over the two years that he's going to play. And yeah, you'll kick the can down the road a little bit on, on the three years, if you avoided three years, I get it. But it does seem to me like the risk is very minimal for the Buffalo. Bills, like why? Why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, there are some things that are that are no brainers. This 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 one seems to be like you know, th- th- there's not there's really nothing to lose. You get a great player still in his prime for a third round pick. I mean, you're shopping at the bargain store right now for your Buffalo. What is Suns president of basketball ops and general manager James Jones seeing from his team during this past week of struggle? Our exclusive conversation with the GM is next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. State of the Suns, driven by Sonic Drive-In. Mmm, Sonic. Burns and Gambo take you inside the Suns front office and talk with a key decision maker. Our weekly visit with the Suns president of basketball operations and general manager James Jones. Normally we do this on a Wednesday at 3.30. We had to move a few things around this week, so we appreciate James and his flexibility for joining us here on this Thursday as the Suns lose to the Lakers last night and have the Kings coming up tomorrow. James, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? Good afternoon. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us, James. I know your Miami Hurricanes still alive in this uh, NCAA tournament. That's exciting. Oh yeah, I mean it's been it's been great. I was telling people my my younger sister is the head athletic uh, trainer for the women's basketball team, and so she's through the roof right now. And uh, just really happy for her and happy for my Canes. All right, exciting. You got Houston next, I believe. All right, let's uh, th- let, let's not shy away from it. It's the biggest topic out there. The free throw discrepancy continues. Your coach is very upset. Your players are very upset. Last night, the Lakers had 46 free throws, and you had 20. 
What has to give? What are some of the issues that you see? Is it more you guys fouling them or you guys not getting the calls on the other end? I mean, we, we just got to be better. Um, you know, we're fouling. They're calling the fouls. Um, we can't control whether or not they, they give us free throw attempts, but we can't control whether or not we're giving them up. And and so I think we set our piece and, and for our team and for our, our guys. In turn, we're focused on on correcting those things. You know, we just can't foul. You know, if we don't foul, um, it's a different game. And that is your belief as an organization that, that it's more on that end than that you guys do foul too much? Have you looked at the tape and kind of reached that conclusion with what you've seen so far, James? That's the thing that we can control. Um, and so, you know, we're going to focus on what we can control and, you know, stand in front of the, the offensive players, you know, showing our hands, um, you know, trying to, to avoid collisions. Um, but the thing we can control is whether or not we foul. So we're going to move forward. I mean, harping on it any further is not really going to change the outcome of yesterday's game. We just have to get ready for Sacramento, a really good team that's playing some good basketball as we we near the end of the season. Uh, th- there's a lot of complaints about officiating throughout the league. We even got a protest going on right now between the Dallas and Golden State game. So I will ask you, have you been sending any film in regularly to the NBA office to kind of show why you feel that the officiating may not be fair with the foul calls? The common practice for, for all teams, I mean, ours is no different than the others, is is to to always, you know, monitor the plays that are happening so that we can we can get it right. You know, we just want to make sure that we get closer to getting all the calls right. Um, but like I said, I, I'm not going to turn this into a, an officiating a referendum or anything like that. Like we have games in front of us that we need to play, and uh, we have games that we need to win and that we should win and we expect to win. So we're going to look internally, see how we can get better, and, and move on to the next game. So is that kind okay, of? I'll, I'll, go, go ahead, Gamble. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry about that. I'll, I'll I'll end with that though. How do you how do you how do you make sure that it doesn't affect your players mentally, psychologically in their head? How do you make sure that that doesn't become a factor them thinking about it all the time? I mean, it's by just moving on. Um, I, I, I get it. People want to continue to, to harp on it. You know, we 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 made our point. Uh, we think that you know we need to continue to to, to be resilient. Um, but more importantly, we just need to control control what we can control. And so we're going to go into, like I said, the, the next a few games for us are, are big. We have Sacramento coming up. We have Philly coming up. Um, we're just thinking about how we can guard them better, how we can perform better, and, and how we can you know execute and, and win games. James Jones, general manager, president of basketball operations for the Suns, our guest here. Beyond the fouls, what is it that you're seeing out of your basketball team that is concerning you the most right now? Uh, we've had stretches where we, you know, we haven't haven't taken the best shots, and, and we've turned the ball over. Um, teams have really been uh, taking advantage of our turnovers in, in transition, and uh, points off turnovers has been a, a big deficit for us. So th- that's an area that we need to clean up. Um, and, and I think anytime you turn turn the ball over that much and, and give up that many points off of turnovers, it's hard to win games. Monty spoke yesterday about wanting a more concise rotation for last night's game against the Lakers, but it was still a lot of different guys in a lot of different roles trying to find the right fit. Are, are, is it a struggle right now, do you think, organizationally, to kind of figure out what is the right fit on the floor for you in terms of the combination and who's playing and who's not? Well, it's it's always, it's going to be an ongoing challenge until we get Kevin back. Uh, you're still talking about trying to plug guys into a role um, to fill a hole um, that Kevin will fill for 36 to 38 minutes a night, and and so it's it's a balancing act that we'll continue to to you know uh, explore and and manage. 
but it's 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 that time of the year where you know every game counts and, and rotations matter a lot. And uh, with a, a team that's like I say newly constructed, um, our our growing pains are, are visible. But you know we'll we'll, we'll continue to. To, 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 to mow through it and like I said as we get whole it'll start to settle and, and hopefully we'll start playing our best basketball sometime in the next few games Do you believe that just the return of Kevin Durant by himself fixes a lot of the issues that we're seeing with the team right now? Yeah, it, it fixes some um, you know, the other things are you know, the, the fouling um, the turnovers uh, I think a lot of that is just guys doing more than than normal and also teams uh, attacking us in certain ways. Um, it's not going to fix everything, but anytime you get a player of Kevin's caliber back, it, it fundamentally shifts and changes your team. Three weeks ago... I'll ask you about the... Uh, the I'll, I'll go ahead, Gambo. Sorry, Gambo's at home. I'm here at the studio, as if we couldn't tell. It's a little awkward, but we're, we're working our way through it here. Um, I'll, I'll stake with you on, on Kevin Durant. Two weeks ago, it was announced that you were going to reevaluate, uh, reevaluate him in three weeks. Is that still the plan, or have things been moved up? What's the latest on Kevin when it comes to his return to the Suns, James? No, he's progressing well. Um, that's our plan. If anything shifts or changes, uh, we'll update accordingly, but He's he's doing well, and uh, we're just excited as he continues to ramp ramp up towards that three-week mark. And how about DeAndre Ayton? I know that's a day-to-day thing with him, but do you expect him back in any of these next couple of games? Uh, DA is day-to-day, and so we'll see. He had another good session today, and uh, hopefully he starts feeling better. But um, I expect he'll he'll be around the corner soon. I can't tell you exactly when, but... Um, progress and and for us um, making sure that we can get him and Kevin um, whole together so that we can close the season out right uh, is is a priority for us so we're going to continue to um, just try to get him right is there a certain number of games in your mind that it'd be essential to have Kevin Durant back for to give you the necessary ramp up for the playoffs no I mean just as many games as we can possibly have with him Um, more is better um, and, you know, we're, we're approaching a time where, you know, if we can get anything um, from him, that's, that's better. Um, but we know what he'll be when the playoff times come. He'll, he'll be ready to play. I would imagine with this schedule, I mean, you, you've been uh, you've said this all along. It's just about try to win basketball games, let the seedings fall where they may. Uh, you know, I think there was a time we looked at the possibility you guys could move up to two or three. Are you just looking at it now, just trying to finish strong and not worried about whether you're four, five, six, seven? Does that not matter at this point? Um, it, I always say we go back to the same thing. It always matters. Um, it's just whether or not it's your priority. Um, for us, we don't want seeding at all costs. Uh, but we want to still play good basketball, and, and in order to play good basketball, you actually have to play basketball. So it's 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 important that we finish strong. Um, you know, this this is a very competitive uh, Western Conference, and as you go down the stretch, you want to play um, good basketball against these opponents that you will see in the playoffs, because this is a game of momentum and confidence. And so you never want your opponent to think that. Um, you're not ready or that you're not competing um, because they need to see your best so that they know uh, so they know what to expect when the playoffs come. Good luck to your Hurricanes, James. Uh, my bracket's shot, so I have nothing else to root for. I might as well root for your team. So I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna root for them from here on out because I have nothing else better to root for. So good luck, okay? Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> no problem, James. Thank you for the time. We appreciate it. 
right, thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right, you too. James Jones joining us at the Arizona James. Sports Line, the local sports leader. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we'll react to the tone of what James said and some of the specifics of what he said and take a look around the rest of the NBA as well, what actually happened last night in the league. That's next on the Burns and Gambo show. The Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. Let's turn it over to Eric Ruby. He's got our Twitter poll question of the day with a uh, tip of the cap, as it were, to Doug Howler over at The Athletic, something we're going to talk about a little later, kind of inspired this Twitter poll question today. What you got for us, Rubes? Wow, my mic was turned off, so I didn't have anything then, but I do now. A recent piece from Doug Holler, like you said, pointed out five big things we picked for. Which one of these concerns you the most about the Suns going forward? Number one is the health of KD. Number two is their foul issues. Number three is their breakdowns defensively. And number four is their inconsistent rotation. You want to take a first step at this gambo? It's got to be, right? It's got to be. I mean, yeah, like, you know... The the biggest concern is the health of KD because he comes back and and listen if he can't come back and cure all their problems then nothing else really matters. So like if you fix the foul issues, you fix the breakdowns defensively, and you fix the rotation, but KD's not healthy, you ain't winning anything. Yeah, yeah. No, look, they're all issues, and I'm not saying Kevin Durant comes back and he's like some magic elixir that cures absolutely everything. I think he's going to cure a lot of this. Give me your number two, then, guys. Okay. What's the number two thing? Give me the other option. If it's foul what? issues, breakdowns defensively, and an inconsistent rotation. Breakdowns defensively. Breakdowns defensively. Yeah, I would say that would be number two. I, they, they've got too many, too many offensive-minded players on the floor, and, and I do think that goes hand in hand with the foul issue that that. Outside of a Kogi, you know, what, Ish Wainwright didn't even play last night. He's one of the better defenders that they've got routinely night in and night out. So, I, I, for me, I would pick the defensive breakdowns if we're eliminating Kevin Durant as an option. Agree? The people agree with both of you guys slaying the health of KD is by far and away number one concern. That's 47.6%. 24.1% say it is the breakdowns defensively. 17.1% says it's that inconsistent rotation. Only 11% say those foul issues. All right, that's the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. Before we move on, talk about the rest of the NBA and and something we haven't even talked about yet, where the Suns stand now in the NBA after last night's loss to the Lakers. Any reaction to James, what he had to say to us, especially the the tone that I thought he set when we started asking him about the officiating? It sounds like he's ready to move on from this. Yeah, I mean, they're not, you know, listen, you could go, uh, what, what's it, Def, what, what's the DEFCON? What's the worst one? DEFCON 1. I fell asleep to that movie the Def- other night. It still holds up really well. Really, yeah. really well. You could go DEFCON 1, go get the $50,000 fine and just go crazy and, you know, hope that that wakes somebody up in the NBA office. And maybe that's what you need to do. So, um, you know, that's your option. Or you just say, you know what, we, we got to be better. We got to be better. We got to stop fouling. And that's what they're doing, right? Yeah. You know, they because they complain about it every every time, but not to the point of you got to write a check to the NBA. So either to, at this point right now, either shut up and stop complaining about it or go DEFCON 1. Because I felt like last night kind of was DEFCON 1. I'm nice. No, it wasn't. Oh, Monty storms out during a press conference. Maybe not DEFCON 1, but certainly DEFCON 2. That was pretty that, – that got a lot of attention, a lot of – it was one of the top stories on ESPN.com today. Monty Storm's off of his press conference, only the second – I mean, what, what else would he have done that would have been worse? 
What else could the organization do that would be worse outside of Matt Ishbia standing courtside like Mark Cuban did yesterday, demanding that the NBA investigate it? You know what? That's DEFCON 1, I guess. But I think storming yeah, out of your I, press conference, I think that's DEFCON 2. I could think of a lot worse, man. You could trash these officials up and down, say it's the, the worst at this game. This is the worst officiated sport by far. Uh, I mean, we have to get better. You could really go DEFCON 1. Like you could really make your voice heard. You storm off. I mean, I don't know that the Suns are going to get fined over that. I mean, to me, you know, you you do something that that gets the attention, and you have to write a big check, and that's DefCon DefCon one. But you know, we. I don't know. You can't, again, you just can't keep complaining about a game in and game out because it's not, it's clearly not doing anything. Nobody's paying attention. It's not changing anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was, and that was my clear takeaway from James it is, okay, enough. We're, we're, we need to, we need to back off here. We just got to be better. Um, you know, we're fouling. They're calling the fouls. Um, we can't control whether or not they, they give us free throw attempts, but we can't control whether or not we're giving them up. And, and so I think we set our piece and, and for our team and, for our guys internally we're focused on on correcting those things you know we just can't foul you know if we don't foul um, it's a different game yeah it's and what's funny about what happened yesterday this is the last thing I'll say about this unless you got something you want to add is is what's funny about yesterday is before the game Monty basically said the same thing we're fouling too much. We we got to have foul awareness. Right. We we have to and know nothing what, changed and, and nothing changed, right? And nothing so changed. he probably felt like, man, I I said what I said before the game. We, we we're fouling too much, and then you go out and you give up forty six free throws, which is a ridiculous number, and you you just you have to go scorched earth like that, right? You have to say what you said, and and maybe that you maybe you're right. Maybe that's not DefCon one. I think Monty's going to hear from the league, and I think Monty's going to write himself a decent sized check for what he did last night. I mean, that's that's his media availability at the end of the game. They spent all one minute and 20 seconds of it railing on the officiating before leaving without taking any other questions. I'm sure he's going to hear from the league about what he did last night. Two things. Kevin Durant will get the calls because he's Kevin Durant. He'll get calls that even Devin Booker doesn't, so that could help on that side. The other thing is, I mean, if you really want to not foul guys, get better defensive players yeah. because the, the, they don't have, that, they don't have great defensive players. Yeah, that, I mean, look at the guys that are out there. I mean, T.J. Warren and Terrence Ross, and uh, you know they they Tory Craig's committing fouls. They don't. It's not a it's not a, it's not a great alignment of, of defensive players. Like you want you want to. Cause less fouls, get better defensive players. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, let's go ahead to what happened in the NBA last night quickly. Speaking of officiating, that was a big issue last night in the Warriors' win over the Dallas Mavericks. As I mentioned, Mark Cuban's going to file a protest of that loss. Apparently there was confusion over which team actually had possession of the ball, led to an uncontested dunk for Golden State. Mark Cuban, there's video of him literally standing at the scorer's table trying to figure out exactly what the hell happened. Uh, Kevon Looney had a free dunk on an inbounds play with about two minutes left in the third quarter. It was a two-point loss by the Mavs, and they're looking at that play as a big reason why they lost that game. They even had Luka flashing the dollar sign at one of the officials. like, uh, like yeah, He's going to get fined. Oh, of course he is. Like, hey, man, you're you're getting paid, man. You're getting paid for something like that. Of course, he's going to get fined. All right. So I, I saw I, I saw the replay of this a, a whole bunch of different times. The one thing I can't understand that if it was Dallas's ball, why didn't they why didn't they have one guy under the basket to take the ball out? Like, why did they why did they why did they not have anybody there? Everybody they had all five guys up in the front court. 
that and and Jason Kidd's question was why was an official on the other end with the Dallas Mavericks with them if everybody knew it was Golden State's ball why weren't all the officials down there with the Golden State Warriors why is somebody down there with the Dallas Mavericks you know after the game Steve Kerr said I knew exactly what was going on when I saw them at the other end I had to stop and think Wait, aren't we? Isn't this our basket? Because I had drawn up a play for an out of bounds, you know, underneath baseline out of bounds. And when they were down at the other end, I got, I had to stop and think, you know, is this right? And uh, so I, I don't know what happened. You'd have to ask their side. Uh, I thought it was pretty clear that it was our ball. And that's why I was drawing up a play, you know, out of bounds on the baseline. But they all lined up at the other end. I guess they assumed it was. Um, their ball. Yeah, Scott Van Pelt they had the replay last night, and the, the official clearly indicates that it's Golden State's ball. And then he points to the Mavs to indicate that they've called a timeout. But the first move that he made was to say, that is Golden State's ball. First thing he did. And then, with his other hand, made an indication like it was the Mavericks' timeout. All sorts of confusion. I, I doubt Mark Cuban's going to have any luck trying to reverse this or trying to get any kind of, yeah. you get this rectified in any way. But but he, and then Luca with the dollar sign, that's that's no good, man. That's not going to fly. Yeah, and that's a big, and that's a big game because that's, you know, the Mavericks are you know really struggling right now. They're not winning a whole lot without uh, with, with uh, since they got Kyrie and that was a game that's uh, that was a tiebreaker game, right? So now Golden State has the tiebreaker over them. The last time there was a successful protest in the NBA was January two thousand eight. So that was the that was the most recent one was uh, that that was one was January two thousand eight. Uh, the last protest in the NBA was also followed by the Mavericks. That was a game against the Hawks in 2020, and the Mavericks lost that one. So the Mavericks are now ninth in the Western Conference. They would have moved ahead of the Warriors if they had won that game. Uh, they didn't. Somehow Luka was trying to take a two when they were down three at the end, uh, which was kind of weird, too. Um, but Cuban called it the worst officiating non-call mistake possibly in the history of the NBA. Yeah, there's nothing hyperbolic about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Slight exaggeration on Mark Cuban's standpoint that that might be the worst of it. Yeah, to your point, Kid, Kid was contending that one of the officials, Michael Smith, he must have thought it was Dallas's ball too because he went. He was positioned on the same end of the floor yeah, as the Mavericks. Yeah, that's what had Kid all confused after the game. He couldn't understand why. Why if it's if it's Golden State's ball, why is the official down there with them? With that win, Golden State now moves into six. Dallas is now in ninth. Now everybody is bunched up. So so tight in the Western Conference right now from 4 to 12, basically. You're talking about three games in the loss column, separating the Phoenix Suns at 4 from the Pelicans at number 12 right now. But of more specific matters, the LA Clippers are a game behind the Suns in the loss column for 5th. The Warriors are two games behind in the loss column for 6th. The Suns have a three-game lead in the loss column over Minnesota for 7th in the play-in tournament. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers Billy Joel, Stevie Nicks, they're both headed to Chase Field. One night only on December 8th. Tickets go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m. You can win a pair of tickets now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. The the officiating and the fouling is one thing. That's not the only thing going on with the Phoenix Suns. They got a lot of things going on, and we'll talk about them next. Burns and Gambo.